Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. You paying attention to the, uh, what is it, the Iowa caucuses tonight? Of course. You're a news guy, though, so you kind of have to, right? Sure. I would you even would if be I anyway. wasn't a news guy, but yeah. I got it up on in here. Usually I've got a game on while in the background while I'm uh, getting going here on the nightcap, but figured I'd throw that up to see what's going on. I'm sure it'll be a while before we know anything. I am dragging today on the whole. Um, how is it 2020? And nobody has picked up on the fact that Super Bowl Saturday. Not nobody. People have people have picked it up. I've seen it especially this year. Someone important. Figure it out. Put the Super Bowl on a Saturday. I agree. Please. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that's dragging on the day. I'm on coffee cup. I'm, this doesn't even qualify as one cup of coffee because this is like you can see it. Like this is a tall cylinder. Yes. This is this is really two cups of coffee in one. And this is my second refill, or first refill, I guess. Filled it up once, filled it up a second time. So I'm going on like my third cup of coffee already, and it's 7.07. And generally, I'm just like, you know, I've had a few sips of my first cup by the time I'm getting going with the show here. Um, that's Brennan Keeney, by the way, that voice there, if you don't recognize that, from down the hall, WBEN. Jody Biasi here on the nightcap. Um it was a good game. We'll get to the Super Bowl. We will. There's a lot of things that happened. There's a lot of things to take away from it pertaining to uh, the Bills, in my mind, and kind of the style and both, the way both teams built their teams and how the Super Bowl went. So we got plenty of time to do that. Um, before we really get into that, though, Adam Schefter reporting in the last, what, 15 minutes or so here, uh, maybe even less, that... Greg Olson, tight end from the Carolina Panthers, from formerly of the Carolina Panthers. He was officially released earlier today. Um, 34 years old, veteran tight end, been a, one of the better tight ends in the league for a long time. He is going to visit with two teams this week, the Washington Redskins and the Buffalo Bills. So the Bills are interested, seemingly, in Greg Olson. Greg Olson seemingly is interested in the Bills. And those are the two teams right now Maybe not coincidentally at all that, you know, Washington just hired Ron Rivera, right. Greg Olson's 
former head coach. And the Bills have Sean McDermott, and they have Brandon Bean with strong Carolina connections and ties. So, of course, Greg Olson would be familiar with them. Um, so, just reading a little bit into it, before we even talk about like whether this is a good idea from the Bills' perspective, Olsen is signifying here... And like he's not a nothing free agent. Like he's older, but he's still a very good player. He still had 600 yards last year. Right. And he missed a couple of games and he was banged up with a with like a back injury for some other games that he played in. Sure. But he's signifying here. And I think we were wondering like what would his motivation be? Would he be going for a team that he thinks has the best chance to win a Super Bowl? Or would he go to TV because Fox has been courting him for years to get him into the broadcast booth. But I think he's showing here that he wants to play and maybe Maybe more so by the inclusion of Washington, less so Buffalo. He just wants to go to a place where he feels comfortable. Yeah. And I think that the Bills, if, if like it, it came down to Washington and, and Buffalo right here, to me it would be a no-brainer if you could get on board with living in Buffalo, New York, because the Bills, no doubt, like it's not even close, they have a much better chance of being a good team next year than Washington with Dwayne Haskins. Um, yeah, I think that kind of goes without saying. I'm interested to see where, like, is, do you think Greg Olson's the kind of, I don't know, you wouldn't know, no one knows, but I think my question is, is Greg Olson the kind of guy that just wants to get this done? Is he going to go he on, like, a long list of, uh, you know, trips around the country? Like, I can't imagine that New England wouldn't have any interest. Oh, sure. Like, I can't imagine, like... They're trying to convince, in, in what we heard about Brady today from Mike Girardi of NFL.com was the like the report that he put out there made it seem like he's more worried about the weapons around him right. than the money. Like the money will come. He's got a ton of money in the bank. He's got Giselle who makes more more, more money, money than, than he, he does. does. Right. And he might be more worried about right who he's throwing to. So right, if I'm New England, I'm of course making a call to Greg Olson. Exactly. And so is Greg Olson interested in just wrapping this up? You know, I don't, I'm not necessarily going to New England and going to Baltimore and not that they need a tight end. I'm just throwing out teams <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. that, yeah. uh, you know, you would consider to be right on the cusp of being uh, a Super Bowl team. I don't think the Bills are there yet. I don't think anyone is like, oh, the Bills are on the cusp of being a Super Bowl winner. They're getting close. Getting Greg Olson, I think, would get them a little closer. Um, but I, I, there's certainly better options as far as quality of team elsewhere. Like I'm trying to think off the top of my head, would uh, Houston be a place mm-hmm. that, where he could really make an impact with Deshaun Watson? Yeah. Green uh, Bay, maybe. Green. I was just thinking Green Bay. You know, who knows? Um, I but think. But here's the thing: Are the Bills at a point where I think me and you sitting here right now? We, we could even debate this, where the Bills rank among those teams and their likelihood to be a legit Super Bowl contender. I think they deserve to be in that conversation. I personally would not rank them above New England, Green, depending on who the quarterback is, Green Bay, Houston, but I, I would say yeah. they're in their conversation. Have they done enough now where they can get in the room with a guy like Greg Olson and say, like, yeah, hey, maybe you have like a, you know, another... Sl- like a f- another five percent bump in your chances of making it to a Super Bowl if you go to play with Aaron Rodgers, but here we're going to give you that comfortability with guys you've worked with before, um, and we're also going to give you a solid chance at the same time. Yeah, uh, and just looking at Olson's career, you think of Greg Olson as a guy who is banged up all the time, and that is just not the case. I was surprised to look it up. He his first like. 
eight, nine seasons in the mm-hmm. league. It was 16 games, 16 games. Everything was 16 games. Of course, 2017, 2018, played seven and nine games, and I think that's where a lot of that uh, that idea that he is a you know injury-prone mm-hmm. player come from, and of course that makes sense. He's on late, very close to the end of his career, so of course he's probably going to be banged up more towards the end of his career, but he came back and he played 14 games this year. You know, his health was kind of in question on a week-to-week basis, a month-to-month basis, but it's not like this is a guy who, you know, with the facilities the Bills have, which I don't know for certain, but people are saying they make a difference. Is is that something that Greg Olson, this late in his career, would be attracted to, having a first-rate facility that can really focus on making sure the healthiest Greg Olson possible is out there week-to-week? Probably. In, in 13 seasons, he's missed 20 games, and 16 of those 20 games came in two years, 2017 and 2018. Exactly. So otherwise, right, he's missed a game here or there, even this last year, at age 34. He he missed two games, and he played through a couple of others with injury, but I, I like this idea. I do. I, I like the idea of them going and chasing a Hunter Henry mm. in free agency, who also has even bigger injury issues than Greg Olson. The difference there is you'd be getting a player who's like eight years younger. But Olson will be cheaper. Right. Maybe this is maybe this is a better idea just because of the existence of Dawson Knox. Like yep. We always talk about like bridge quarterbacks, right? Sure. Like we want to bring a young quarterback along and we don't want to have to rush him and such and we don't have to put him into a, a role where he doesn't we don't really have a backup plan if things don't go well. And Dawson Knox I think did well enough last year to make you think like of course he could be your starting tight end next season. You do completely fine. But Really, they didn't have much of an option past him. Like Lee Smith running that vertical route in Houston is still hilarious. And everybody just thinks it's absolutely bonkers that he did that and that he was on the field to do that. We, we cannot have that situation happen again. Right. So even though Olsen would outrank to me Dawson Knox on the short term, maybe it's a better idea than a guy like Hunter Henry who you'd probably have to invest a big contract in because with Olsen's status in the league and where he is in his career – mid-30s, he'll be 35 at the beginning of next season, and he's got a TV gig lined up whenever he wants it, that you could go, all right, we, we can get this guy who's maybe just as good as Hunter Henry right now, but we only have to give him a one-year contract, and we don't have to sink all of this money into tight end. It seems like a very Frank Gorish kind of signing, but with the but he's a better expe- exactly the, the he's expectation better. that he will produce more, right? And I don't we haven't even talked about what a veteran presence with a history of incredible production like Greg Olson would do for a guy like Josh Allen. I think that Mm -hmm. would be tremendous for his development. Tight ends have become such an important part of the league. I mean, look at last night. Last night featured probably the two best tight ends in the league. Both played well. You know, I think for, especially for a young guy like Josh Allen, having someone like Greg Olson would be tremendous for him. But like, yeah, like you just talked about, be tremendous for Dawson Knox, who could be, Like Singletary, who has never understated how much Frank Gore has meant to him in the development of him as a running back. Right. The uh, The other thing this could do, and if you if you missed the top of the show here, Adam Schefter reports, Ian Rappaport also the same thing, um, that free agent tight end Greg Olson, free agent because he was released by Carolina earlier in the day, mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, Olson is going to visit with the Bills and the Redskins this week. Um 34 years old, 600 yards last year, 52 catches, and you probably only have to bring him in on a one-year deal. So that's what we're talking about here. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney. Um, how good an idea is it to you? Let us know at 803-0550. We will get into the Super Bowl and some other Bill stuff along the way here. 
Um, the other thing it does for me is it allows you to really just kind of call it quits on the whole uh, Tyler Croft ex- experiment. And like, yeah. I didn't hate that signing at the time. Mm-hmm. He was one of the better tight ends on the market. It was not a strong free agent class last year at the tight end position. And Croft, to me, was just kind of a guy. Like, I thought you could have done a lot worse. Like, you bring him in, he did a pretty good job when he was the starting tight end, tight end for the Bengals. But there's nothing spectacular about Tyler Croft's game. He's not an elite blocker. He's not an elite athlete. He is a good pass catcher, but I wouldn't call him a great pass catcher. And he's got his injury issues up right. himself. The good thing is, what the Bills did with Tyler Croft's contract is they left themselves an out. They can get out of that contract no problem at all this offseason if they want to. He'd be a $1.6 million dead cap figure as opposed to a $6.4 million cap hit should he be on the roster. So they saved just under $6 million bucks if they wanted to walk away from Do- from Tyler Croft. And to me, hey, take that $6 million, bucks, throw that towards the Greg Olson and there you um, go. negotiation. No harm, because, no foul. Right, and he's an upgrade. And maybe the other thing this could do, and this is why I like this idea even more so, I don't really believe... What's the thing we're talking about the most with the Bills right now, this offseason? Can they get that big number one wide receiver? It's not even just can they get a number one wide receiver, but can they get a big one? Can they get a 6'4 guy that can still get open and get make the contested catches? And I think that's going to be incredibly hard to do this offseason. The draft is the best place to do that, and if they even draft T. Higgins... You can easily convince me he has the potential in the next three years to become that player. Exactly, but, but is he going to show up and be that a rookie? Right, and right. It's difficult. We've seen the transition is mm-hmm. difficult for rookie wide receivers exactly. to just step in and make an immediate impact. And to me, what Greg Olson could present is another, not even just competent, but another very good big physical option. I'm watching Kansas City last night for in the Super Bowl and yeah they paid Sammy Watkins a big contract and yeah he gets his targets like he's not a nothing part of that offense but they don't treat him like the number one wide receiver they have a tight end who can be that big number one threat contested catch guy 50-50 balls like that's that's Travis Kelsey's range and San Francisco to be frank does the same thing with George Kittle and maybe the Bills could take a page from the two Super Bowl teams from last night and go, all right, yeah, like everyone's yelling and screaming about they want the, they want AJ Green. They want the next Julio Jones. They want Mike Evans. But we don't really think we can get those guys. So are we going to force it? And we're going to plug a guy in just because of his size? Because we already did that with Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes. Let's just bring in Greg Olson. Let's bring in a big tight end, 6'5. Sure, he's not going to jump very high, but. Doesn't if, need to. Right. If Josh Allen throws it in the range of Greg Olson, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be easier for him to be accurate on that pass as opposed to John Brown. Um and then we could just keep supplementing that with for for Josh Allen with guys that can just get open. Because that's what Kansas City does. It's just Travis Kelsey and guys who get open. And I and you talked earlier about maybe this being a bridge for Dox, Dawson Knox. I am not discounting the idea of uh, of Olsen and Knox both having a prominent role in oh, the sure. offense this year if they were to sign Olsen. You look at a team like Philadelphia, they use their tight, end, tight ends very well with Goddard and Ertz. I think, I'm not saying that you can have the same thing here, like Ertz is, what, top five tight yeah. end in the you league? You have a watered-down version of it. Well, yeah. Exactly, but you have the two bigger guys, which I think we can all agree, especially looking at games like the Baltimore game, looking at the Texans game, having a bigger guy who is productive 
is probably mm-hmm. a good way to go for this offseason. I don't really see a downside to the signing. I don't either. Like, I, I don't Especially really... Especially if it's a one-year deal. Like, what is the downside? Yeah. If, if you told me it's a three-year deal you have to give him, and you have to give him, like, 10 million, like 12 million bucks a year, then I'm going to come back at you and say then it's a bad idea. But it doesn't even sound like Olsen has the appetite to do that. Right. So, right, I don't, I don't really see the, the downside here um, for this as an idea. It just kind of seems like a win-win for everybody if they're able to get this done. Um by the way, Sal just tweeted out a comparison in the last since 2016, Tyler Croft versus Greg Olson, who I think if you sign Greg Olson, Croft's the guy that goes. That just seems to be like the most the consensus and the most fiscally Yeah. Like I, Lee Smith obvious. serves a purpose and I guess he couldn't be here either, but is Greg Olson coming in to replace Lee Smith because Lee Smith's here as a blocker. You're not bringing Greg Olson to do <laughs> exactly, that. Yeah. Not that he won't, but um Tommy Sweeney is like a he he showed pretty well as a seventh round rookie, and you could throw him on the practice squad if you wanted to. Kroom is still hanging around too. But whose spot does Olsen take? What snaps does Olsen take? He takes the Tyler Croft snaps. And I don't see a purpose for Tyler Croft to be here. So, anyways, all that to say, Sal tweeted out a comparison of the two since 2016. They've actually played the same amount of games. 46 games for Greg Olson, 46 games for Tyler Croft insanely more productive Greg Olson that's not, like we all knew that right we knew Greg Olson was more a more <laughs> productive tight end than Tyler Croft that would have been my guess yeah but by a, a wide margin in those four seasons 176 receptions for Greg Olson 62 for Tyler Croft 603 yards for Tyler Croft 2152 right. for Greg Olson 10 touchdowns for Olson 8 touchdowns for Tyler Croft that's a little bit closer um but again, like I'm, I'm surprised we actually were able to go for this on 25 minutes because it's it's not very it's not much to go back and forth on here. It's just a great idea. Hey, listen, w- watching the Super Bowl yesterday, just I I couldn't wait for Bills football again. It's still so far away, and there's still like w- what free agency starts like March 18th or something. Scott mm-hmm. still got more than a month for actual free agency, and then the draft is a month after that. I'm just stoked for it all. I'm ready for an off season where I am convinced that a couple of more moves, and they are right there in the conversation for the top of the conference. You, you will have the uh, the XFL to wet your palate in the next uh, month or so, though. You're going to dabble in the XFL at all? I'll give it a shot. I'm going to do the same thing I did with the, with the AAF. I'll watch it at first, and it's up to you to like hold my attention. And given what I've seen from the XFL, like I think they might have a good chance of keeping me around. Because the next month, football-wise, is pretty dry. Are you more I'm excited for... I'm not a combine for... guy, so... You're not a combine no, guy? No, I, I can't... I can't stand the combine. I love the combine. Oh, it's, it's so... The hot takes from the combine are phenomenal. Like, some people questioning uh, DK, DK, Metcalf DK Metcalf's athleticism yeah. because I, of one poor test. I love that I love that stuff. I hated that I got grouped into that mix of, like, the, the DK Metcalf haters, but that was never about the combine for me. I don't care about the combine. I, look at the games. And he wasn't even the best receiver on his own team. Right. And looking back, I guess maybe that was more just A.J. Brown is incredible, not D.K. Metcalf's not good. Um, So it was a miss there for me because I didn't want the Bills to draft Metcalf. But it was not the Combine. I I can't stand the Combine. And that's the only (laughs) thing that happens this month, right? I mean, maybe we'll get some Brady stuff. Um, Greg Olson could sign with the Bills. Chase. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I I like that this is a thing. Um, I hope that it happens. Uh, I don't have Dawson Knox anywhere in fantasy football, so uh, I'm, I'm not going to get killed there. And, um, yeah, 
Greg Olson, visiting with the Bills this week, according to Adam Schefter. Yeah, I think you nailed it, though. It's, it seems like a zero downside, no-brainer kind of right. signing. If he does, in fact, want to come here, I honestly think perhaps the biggest draw for him will be a state-of-the-art mm-hmm. health facility that the Bills have now in place. I do think they'd use him in uh, Knox at the same time, too. You, like, you mentioned the Philly comparison. The Bills actually use Dawson Knox out wide a lot this year. Sure. Um, so I would... Definitely think that they could absolutely do that a lot if they wanted to next year. I'm ready for Dawson Knox to make that jump. Me too. I think he has, the athleticism's there. I, I think he, him and Singletary have the capability to just explode. Me, Knox maybe even more so than Singletary because he's a special athlete at that position. 803-0550 is the phone number. Thoughts on Greg Olson? Hey, if you got a downside to this, let us know what it is because we're uh, I think we're struggling to find one. Um the Niners fall to the, the Kansas City Chiefs last night in the Super Bowl. I believe the Bills are trying to build their team like San Francisco, less so Kansas City. We'll do a little comparison action here between the Bills and the teams from the Super Bowl last night uh, when we come back. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney from WBN, WBEN down the hall, hanging out here on the Nightcap on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. I'm not sure it's completely settled in. It's a great experience, especially doing it with the, you know, with the guys that I was able to do it with and the organization. So it's we all know that it's not a one-man show takes a team to get there and not just the players and not just the coaches but everybody so that's the part you you think about when you sit back all the hard work that everybody's done to get you at this point right here kansas city chiefs head coach and once upon a time the boss sean mcdermott andy reed is a super bowl champion the chiefs are super bowl champions after last night's game it was a good game, right? It was a fun game to watch. It kind, of, it was a fun game to watch, but I would say the first half didn't seem like a lot. A whole lot happened. I thought about it for the first time. I think in my life, I watched a Super Bowl game where people I was watching with were fans of a team in the Super Bowl. My girlfriend's family are like hmm. huge 49ers fans. Have you ever watched a game with someone who like has a real? Other than like gambling or squares or anything, or just like, you know, like, oh, the Colts are my second favorite team, like, has a real vested fan interest in the game. My brother's an Eagles Eagles fan, fan, but he went to Philly to watch that game. Okay. So I didn't watch it with him. Um, So I don't think so. I've now, I have, and I'm sure you have too, 
watch the game with people who are very vehemently rooting against the New England Patriots. Sure, different though. Different. Yeah, though. you're right. Well, you, yeah, of course, you're you're coming from hate, not love. Yeah. So of course, it's a different type of passion. Um, it turned into hate at the <laughs> end, but like it it was great to see. Like I, yeah. I I thought about it while I was watching them. I was like getting all excited for you know, especially the Kittle play, the Kittle play at the, the end of the play. first half, which obviously did not go for you know, it got called back on the on the offensive pass interference penalty. But when that happened, bonkers, they were going nuts, and it's because they actually loved the 49ers right. and not that they hated the Chiefs. That play, by the way. It, I saw side by side between Kittle at the end of the first half yesterday gets called for offensive pass interference on a push off. Side by side with Kyle Rudolph, the mm. game winning touchdown for Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs yeah. against the New Orleans Saints. It's like the exact same motion. It was the exact same amount of force. It was different areas of the field, but the refs are so inconsistent in the sport right it's now. the NFL, man. And that just was like a, a significant to me. Another video yesterday, I believe it was uh, Mostert ran out to the side, and mm-hmm. there was a comeback block by Joe yes. Staley, and it was like and the, the same. season ex- ended It might that. have actually been worse than the the Ford block. It was the Ford block. Nope. It, was no, Ford it block. wasn't a block. <laughs> it, it, it was he a hard, He pushed him. <laughs> Maybe. He stood there. Yeah, you're was, the one you're talking about. I think Joe Staley it of was the Niners. Staley. Yep, and he and he they were going him. out to the side. It was a it was a run. It was right. a run to the side, and Staley came back. And I don't know how I feel about that being a rule in the first place. I, I get what they're trying to do. It's about safety for the players. But if I am an offensive player, and I, there's a ball carrier on the field, I'm a blocker, right? Yeah. And for instance, if like what you're not allowed to do now is if you've got a guy, he could be a fullback, a tight end, like someone who's not that fast. He's rust streaking down the middle of the field, and somebody's coming up like a corner or something's coming up from behind him, and you know he's going to catch him, but you just can't do anything. Yeah. Like you've got to give the def- you've got to give the offensive player something he can do, and whether that's you know hitting him on the side or what, just not avoiding the head, what you got to give them an option to block. What Cody Ford did was. F- fantastic if obviously it didn't go against the rules he did not it was not excessive force yep. he just got in his way he set a pick how come you cannot do that mm-hmm. like i understand the rule to make it safer you want to eliminate kind of the blind side kind of block but i mean come on that's how the bill season is going to end on a block like that and then you're not going to call it consistently the, the worst part of the sport right now to me is how inconsistent the officiating is yeah and the NFL refusing to pour re- any sort of resources into it to get just the product better, and when I, the product that is officiating, because that's part of the product. Like well, you're watching these games, you're attending these games, and you're rooting for these games based on what the result is going to be. And when you have mistakes very frequently affecting those outcomes. You've got to at least show me that you're trying to get better at that. And when you don't have full-time officials, when you refuse to get younger officials, consistently that, that it never changes. I don't know. Um, they don't really show much motivation to want to change that, though. I will say, watching the game yesterday, watching the 49ers really did remind me of the Bills, which I don't want to be the case. I want McDermott to look at his old boss, Andy Reid, and say, I know I'm a defensive coach, but I want to build my team in that mold. And that's hard to do. Right? You need a special quarterback to build your team the way the Chiefs had. 
I don't think the Bills are doing necessarily the wrong thing the way they're going about it. They, I didn't like the fact they built their defense up first. I didn't like the fact that they took a very long time to get the offensive weapons in place to make this offense even remotely competent. Um, but I do like what they have going and that their defense, to me, is on a similar level that the San Francisco defense is at. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when I watch San Francisco yesterday and I see that like their defense played the best game against Mahomes anybody has all season. They made him ineffective for three quarters. Like they did a great job. They were forcing him out of the pocket. Mahomes was always off platform when he was making his throws, a lot of dump offs. They forced him into turnovers, pressure in his face all night. And what happened? Mahomes, just because he's that good. And because that offense is that good, you can't you can't stomp on their throat for the whole game. Eventually, they're going to get up, and they're going to start coming back, and they're going to fire off 21 points in seven minutes. They do it in every game. The thing I think about a lot, the Bills remind me of the, the Niners. They're trying to build their team to be a team that can... That can Bend, not break against elite quarterbacks. Yeah, like they can, they can suppress... One of the top offenses in the league. Sure. But when that top offense starts knocking on the door and they take the lead, do I then have a quarterback that can match that? And I think I have, I think that Allen is almost maybe similar to Garoppolo in that light for me. I think Garoppolo is a guy that once in a while he can be that quarterback for you. I think Josh Allen is that. Once in a while, I think Josh Allen can be that quarterback where he can start trading with the other offense back and forth. I don't have the confidence, though, that Allen's going to take this massive jump to where now he's the quarterback and the Bills are that offense that the other team is worried about when they're up 10 points. Would you be saying the same thing right now if the call that probably should have been a holding on the 40-yard Mahomes, I believe it was third and 15 at the time, would you be saying the the same thing right now? Like they, The San Francisco 49ers were so close to winning that game. In fact, if that was a penalty or an incomplete pass, the game was probably mm-hmm. over. But I, I, st- I want to say I still would. because, And maybe I wouldn't, but I want to think I still would. Because that style of playing, which is we get the lead and now let's just survive. Let's just make it to the finish line. Rather than to keep your foot on the gas for the whole game. That's cost Kyle Shanahan two Super Bowls now. Is that type of mindset, and it's also not trusting your quarterback 100%. They proved that at the end of the first half. What Bills fan did not watch that game and think to themselves, this is what Sean McDermott would be doing right now. Like They, they could say all they want. They like their quarterback, and they could, they could use him as much as they want. They could have Josh Allen throwing the ball 40 times in the game. But like the Niners in that spot, Shanahan proved it there. I think McDermott's proved it multiple times this season. At the end of a half, when you've got even timeouts in your pocket and a minute or so left, do you trust your quarterback to march down the field and score, or do you want to run the clock out? Because, you, again, you can say all you want. You believe in a guy. But that's where you put your money where your mouth is, at the ends of halves like that. And to me, 
I think that was telling that Kyle Shanahan did not show the faith in Jimmy Garoppolo that he wanted to kind of push the pedal to the metal and try to march down the field at the end of the first half. Rather, he handed the ball off a couple of times, and then he kind of half he half-assed it. It might be telling what he thinks of Garoppolo, but I'm not sure that it completely puts to bed the idea that dominant defense and a dominant running game can't still listen, Joe. I am. They were close. You're right. I, that's kind of what away. I'm getting at. Like they showed, there is the possibility to still win a Super Bowl like that. They almost beat Mahomes. They crushed Aaron Rodgers two weeks ago. Crushed. Didn't even deserve to be in the game. They pretty much rolled through the entire NFC this year. They showed that there is still a place like that in the game. Can the Bills be as effective as the 49ers are as a pass rushing team and as a running team? That remains need to be seen. Elite pass rushers. That remains yeah. to be seen, but I'm not. Yesterday did not convince me that that they couldn't that do it the way they're do doing it. it. They can't do it the way they. I get that. They were they yeah. were the, uh, probably a blown call away from winning. Now, I hate using that blown call excuse because every game is going to have calls that go for against. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, even the Bills game. Bill should not have even been in the position of where that call against Cody Ford was going to impact them. They were up 16 to nothing. Shouldn't have even been in the position. What I will say, though, is that they were that close. If, you know, a coin flip play Mm -hmm. goes their way, we're talking about the 49ers as Super Bowl winners who won with that recipe. You're right. I don't dispute that. I I do think, I, I don't think that the Bills can't win the way they're doing it. I do wish, though, at the same time, that they were trying to do it the way Kansas City's doing it. Because Kansas City's a team where they get up 16-0, they don't win, they don't try to win 21-10. They don't try to win 21-17. They're going to win 54-3. It is also, (laughs) on a year-to-year basis, having that franchise quarterback is simply a more sustainable way of winning, too. So that that I will give you. But on a year-to-year basis, I think you can still win with uh, dominant defense. Mm -hmm. But I agree, probably building your team like that is less likely mm. of being sustainable. But the problem is that got, we're not talking about is that the Bills don't have Patrick Mahomes, right. and neither do really any other team. But that's the thing. You've either got to hit a home run on one guy, right. or you've got to nail like 15 exactly. to 20 other exactly. positions. And then with, when your defense gets good, you're going to have to pay them all. You're right. And that's hard to do. If you can lock down and pay one guy on your offense, which mm-hmm. is your quarterback, much more sustainable than locking down Trey but, White and yeah. Edmonds and, and Oliver and list goes on and on. Maybe at the end of the day, last night proved that you can still win in multiple ways. And even I, though I prefer one, you can still win in multiple ways. Because those two teams, even though the game was close, they're built in very different ways. Long-term success, I believe, quarterback, offense, year oh, yeah. to year. Same. If you have an elite defense, you're going to be in it. I agree. 8030550 is the phone number. Let's head out to the phone lines here. If you're hanging out on hold, thanks for being patient. Let's go to Buzz. Buzz, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, what's up, fellas? How you doing? Good. How about yourself? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, and you, I enjoyed the game yesterday. Um, you know, you guys were talking about, um, I'm sorry, who's the other guy with you, Joe, today? Brendan Keeney. Brendan. Okay, so you got a bunch of Niner fans. Uh, you're watching the game with a bunch of Niner fans. And I used to live in the Bay Area. I lived there from 06 to 16. So I got a ton of friends that are Niner fans, and I was texting them back and forth. You guys kind of touched on this, but I'd like to reiterate it because I think it's really important. Um, I was texting back and forth the whole game, and when it came down to the end of the first half, I was giving, you know, I was saying, why aren't they calling a timeout here? Why aren't they calling a timeout? And by the way, John Lynch is up there yep. <laughs> with 
screaming for a timeout, the guy's going to probably he's going to end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm sure he kind of he has an idea of what what's going on here, you know. So, and my one friend who is a you know just such a diehard Niner fan, I felt bad for him yesterday. I mean, this is a guy that was at the cat in 1981 with Dwight Clark in the catch. He was in that end zone. Okay, I mean that's how diehard this dude is, right? And he was like, "Okay, coach, you know, he's giving me the don't worry about it. They know what they're doing." And what I texted back to him was, I said that. I've seen the Bills and McDermott do this way too much, you know, and just count on the defense, count on the defense. And I said, you can't do that against a team of this caliber in the biggest game of the year. You know, let it loose. Let Garoppolo do it. If you don't, like, if you don't trust Garoppolo, find another quarterback then. You know, I mean, you paid him a bunch of money. Let him, let him get him the ball with a minute 30 to go and let it loose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, on the final note, <laughs> let's bring in Greg Olson. And get rid of Croft, no-brainer, right? I mean, I could be a gigantic upgrade. Yep. And then you don't have to worry about tight end anymore. You just go on to wide receiver. Mm. Go along. But yeah. anyway, great show. Take care. Thanks, boss. Thanks for the call. Um, even when you counted on Garoppolo at the end, maybe, maybe he kind of he kind of proved on their last gasp to stay in that game why Kyle Shanahan maybe didn't trust him at the end of the first half. He had the game. He had it there. Emmanuel Sanders, double covered, made a, a out and in move, beat the corner deep. The safety was caught flat-footed. He had a step, and Garoppolo overthrew him. He had the game right there, and he missed it. That's a throw Patrick Mahomes, I'm not, I don't want to say he never misses it. He rarely misses that throw, and that's where I think the Bills are with Josh Allen. And not just because it's that type of pass and Allen missed that pass every single time he he (laughs) tried it this year. But I guess I just want it. I want at some point the franchise quarterback of this team to be the guy I can trust to make that throw that Garoppolo missed last night. Yeah. And uh, people kept asking me throughout throughout last week, the week before, you know, who has the. Who's going to win? And I. Immediately said, Patrick. You know, Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the field. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are probably going to win. If your best, if the best player on the field is your quarterback, your odds of winning the game increase exponentially. My dad, who's listening right now, just texted in what happens when K- to KC when Mahomes gets forty million a year. You know, obviously they're going to have to lose some some. They'll have less offensive sure. talent around Mahomes, but I'd still rather have Mahomes. I would too. I mean, you. You look at all the other... Green Bay has done a terrible job of surrounding Rodgers with talent, both defensively and offensively. Every single year, we talk about the Packers are... They're, they're in they're it. They're contender. Sure. Every and single year. The, the other example of that, Seattle was mentioned a lot. Like, right after Sherman is out of the picture, and Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancer, like, they kind of... That defense was the best in football. In yes. fact, it's been the best in the last 20 years. I think they're the only team that has maintained a top three, or top maybe it was even top five, top five defense for the for three or more years in a row. Like Even that Denver team who won the Super Bowl, that was a historically good defense. They mm. took a step back the next year after that. Right. That Seattle defense, they broke it down. They decided, Russell Wilson's this good, we're not going to pay Sherman, we're not going to pay Cam Chancellor. We're not going to pay Earl Thomas. And that defense, we're going to let it fall apart. We're going to let it drop down to average in the league. 
because we feel the quarterback is worth it. And again, they haven't won the Super Bowl since they've had since they've lost that great defense. They're in it every They're in it every year. year. And Russell Wilson's a top five quarterback in football, and you're always in the conversation. Absolutely. I mean, they were San Francisco's in the Super Bowl last night. Maybe they're not if Jacob Hollister, Seattle's tight end in week seventeen, is six inches more forward. Right. Because then they win that game, they score a touchdown, and they have the first round bye. They have home field throughout the playoffs. And maybe we're talking about Seattle in the Super Bowl last night instead. It was that close. And this goes to what we were saying earlier, is that on, on a, in a given year, yes, a defense and a game manager mm-hmm. can win you a lot of games and perhaps even the Super Bowl. In a long-term trajectory, the best way to go, in my opinion is having the quarterback. It's just more consistent. It's more yep. you can put you know what Mahomes is. You can't pay four guys on de- you mentioned them. Sherman, Chancellor, you know, th- just that whole defense the Wagner. Of boom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, they had Browner too when he was good. Yep. Like you can't pay that whole defense and you know, I think it's talked about on GR quite a lot is that on a year-to-year basis, defense goes up and down the mm-hmm. rankings far more dramatically than offense. The same offensive teams have been the best offensive teams year after year. The Green Bays, the Saints, New the, England, New England yeah. until this year. Yeah. You know, and and why? Because their quarterback started mm-hmm. not playing well. I think long-term success, Patrick Mahomes. You got to invest in that quarterback, even if it does mean at the expense of other positions. Yep. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you're on hold, we'll get to you after the break. I had a fantasy draft this weekend, too. And I don't want to ask you about my fantasy team, but I've got a couple of quarterbacks that are... Their, their place in the 2020 NFL season is very much up in the air. So I want to bring them up when we come back, too. Um, and we'll keep rolling here. Greg Olson visiting the Bills, that according to Adam Schefter, uh, in the next week. So that's a cool thing. You can read more about it at, on sales story at WGR550.com. Back to your calls after this. The Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. I like Josh Allen a lot, but you're right. If we're asking him to throw the ball 45 times and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns at this stage of his career, I don't think that that's a recipe for success. I think the recipe for success is kind of what we did this year. So to your point, yeah, I think that he is more Jimmy G, which is not an insult, by the way. I thought Garoppolo largely had a really pretty good game. Kevin Connors, Sports Center anchor, ESPN. Big Bills fan. He was on with the morning show earlier today with Howard and Sal. We will have that for you as our interview of the day in the second hour. 803-0550 is the phone number if you're trying to get in on the show before then. So, Brendan, I had a fantasy draft over the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's early. April. No, Fools. April. February. April. April I don't know why I said April. February 1st. February 6th. Day before the Super Bowl every year. Mike Shope runs it. I've won. I won it two years ago. Came in second last year. This year, I felt very good about my draft. I went pretty risky, though, at quarterback. And I want to ask your opinion on not not the top guy I picked. Josh Allen was the first quarterback I picked. And by the way, never thought I'd see the day where I picked a Bills quarterback in fantasy football over Aaron Rodgers. But that happened. I picked you. You made a face. Josh Allen over Aaron Rodgers. In fantasy? Uh, not that it's a bad strategy. The just more like there. saying that out loud <laughs> yes. is is shocking. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I supplemented Allen. And this is like a best ball league, so you, they, they're on your team the whole season. That's it. No roster moves. Jameis Winston and Cam Newton. Both 
I thought, and I still think, are likely to start this year. But they don't. Do, do they have to? Does Winston have to start somewhere at the beginning of next year? Does Cam Newton have to start somewhere at the beginning of next year? Yes. I think they probably do. But it's risky also in that I don't really know that they have to be in the spots they're in right now. And that's risky in itself. They could go to a spot where they're not throwing the ball that much or maybe the team's not that good. I think there's enough open spots where I would say they have to start. I do think they rank higher. Depending on, I think Jameis has to start. I don't think Newton does, but that's simply a health reason. Mm. Like, if Cam Newton is healthy, I think he has to start, and I think that would be pretty, (sighs) like, why would he go there where he's playing second fiddle? Winston did throw 30 interceptions. But he also led the league in passing. (laughs) I know. So (laughs) you've got to find a coach crazy enough to think he's going to make that work. Um like would New England go for that if Brady leaves? Like would they would he, they go for either one of them? Winston or Newton? I would think I think McDaniel New slash England, Belichick would think they could fix Winston's turnovers. Oh, you I was going the opposite direction. You I think, think if like they Newton? were to give one of them a shot, I would say they give Newton a shot. What is New England with Cam Newton? Which is crazy to even imagine him in that jersey. <laughs> yeah. Um but if Brady leaves, they're gonna have to do something and I mean, among the guys that are going to be available, like I'd rather have Winston or Newton as my quarterback just for upside than Teddy Bridgewater or Mariota or Andy Dalton or mm. this other crop of guys. Derek Carr maybe is available. I would take Bridgewater over Newton right now. Would you really? I would. I'm not a big and Bridgewater I'm guy. Really, listen, I think Bridgewater Bridgewater does what he does. He's mm. he's a better He's, he's a, a game, game manager. He's a game though. manager, but on the top end of that, isn't that you think t- Teddy Bridgewater in New England this year? You don't think they're better? I think Ted, I think they're the same. I think they're better. I think Teddy Brad- Bridgewater. Brady? Yes, I think Bridgewater right now gives you a better chance to win than Brady does. Uh, I'm not on board with that, dude. He didn't he he went like five and zero with the Saints. He, he, went, he threw for 150 yards a game though. Like they didn't ask him to do all that much. They don't ask Brady to do all that much, and they really struggled down that's, the stretch. That's why I think they might be the same at this mm. point. That's interesting. I don't I never really have been a big Bridgewater guy though. I, I just I don't think he's gonna come in and save a franchise. No. But I think that if you're if you have a defense like New England has and you're like, all right, Brady's not coming back, who gives us the best chance yeah. to yeah. win a game? I would take Bridgewater I wouldn't take him over Newton because Newton to me also presents the the upside in that like hey even though he's been in the year for 10 years and he's maybe only had one or two seasons like this we know that if he's healthy he can have the type of season that can make us more than just what a game manager is going to do for us but again you got to got to judge how likely that will be So can Winston like mm, can as he? I was saying my last sentence I kind of thought about it and I said to myself who gives you the best chance to win Winston might give you the best chance to win. If he might you... also give you the best chance to lose. Just right. because you could do so everything else right. It depends on how strongly <laughs> you feel about that. Winston is so fun. I w- part of me wishes uh, like he was the Bills quarterback just because of how like debate how fiery debate would be on Jameis Winston. I think half the people would think he's great. Half the people would think he's awful. Sounds like and... a current quarterback situation in Buffalo, doesn't it? Yeah, but this would I be know, it's that to a much more hundred. It would be like like <laughs> Allen is kind of game to game. Like he'll have some flashes in a bad game, he'll have yep. some bad throws in a good game, but he's kind of game to game. Jameis Winston is throw to throw. Mm-hmm. Like oh, if yeah. you're talking about Bill's Twitter during a Jameis Winston be, game, it would be hilarious. Oh, it would be unbelievable. Um Allen is probably the safest of the three quarterbacks I have, funny enough, between uh Allen, Winston, and Newton. 
Not as, not a, the as safest a fantasy of, quarterback, he's safe. Oh, he's, dude, you're right. He is safe fantasy-wise because that rushing baseline yeah. is always there. Got to hit a break here. Brendan, thanks for, as always for uh, hopping in here. Anytime. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Brendan Keeney. And uh, we will play back our uh, interview of the day when we come back. Kevin Connors from ESPN, one of the biggest big, one of the biggest Bills fans in the national media, Sports Center anchor, was on with uh, Howard Simon and Sal earlier today. We'll play that back as when we return. Talk a little bit more about Greg Olson before we get out of here as well. And then uh, a bit on the Sabres, too. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. You're listening to the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase, live from the Dun Tire Studios. Dun Tire. It's a done deal. WGR Sports Radio 550. Part of getting the win is really secondary to the way he's prepared himself for this situation happening. I want to tell you all, there was a lot of extra work going on with Mike Bales and off ice, on ice, all kinds of work. Nobody gave up on Carter, and Carter didn't give up on Carter, you know, and so we're not surprised, but we're so pleased for him to see him have performances like this when the team desperately needed it. Good on him. He's such a character in this group, and he's a real leader and a voice all the time, whether he's starting or not. So, of course, you're pleased with him, and we need to just build on this. We've got some tough games coming up and continue to move in this direction. Sabres head coach Ralph Kruger following the win over the weekend. Ralph Kruger's, not Ralph Kruger's, Carter Hutton's first win since October 22nd. And if they have, they want any sort of chance of getting back into a playoff race, they will need him to not only be capable of winning, they will need him to be capable of uh, carrying them in wins. And uh, nothing nothing makes me think that's going to happen. So That's where we're at with the Sabres right now. We're still 10 points out of a playoff spot uh, behind the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers, who, by the way, are in action right now. Toronto up 2-1 to one going into the third period. So the Sabres actually, uh, well, no, Carolina is also 10 points up. So they'll be 10 points up when they go into uh, Key Bank Center to play um, against the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow night. I'm not thinking about the playoffs at all anymore. I was doing it a little bit. You might have seen my piece on WGR550.com or heard me talk about it here. The comparables to the 2011 Sabres and the fact they were the exact same amount of points, the exact same goal differential, and a very similar uh, amount of points to, uh, to, to make up to get into a playoff spot compared to the last time they made the playoffs, and that's gone away. You lose two right out the bat, at home, bad teams, you're not coming back from that. You needed to take advantage of this homestand. You needed to take advantage of the schedule. They needed to win 8-10 to even have the talk about making the playoffs. Even then, I wouldn't have picked them to do it, obviously, but maybe they would have at least been in the race, and they've kind of squandered that, so... I'm not expecting them to really climb back into this thing. Jack Eichel said over the weekend uh, a quote about the, the this Sabres team is different and they're not going to let the tires fall off or the wheels fall off. And I can see that from one aspect in that Ralph Kruger seems to have a much stronger grasp of his players and the locker room and keeping spirits up. Very positive guy, a very smart guy, a great communicator, a great leader. I think Kruger has the skill set. Like his attributes as a coach set up well for a team that's not capable of competing like this one. I think he can keep that locker room, the he can keep the heads from hanging. He can keep everything kind of together. 
And maybe that's why they will see some improvement this year. They're not going to be in a playoff race, but they're on pace for like 85 points right now. That is an improvement. It's not near the playoffs, but it's a lot better than most of the seasons they've had in the last decade. So I I attribute a lot of that to Kruger. Um, I'm hoping that this season has not just been Jason Botcherill not being able to improve the roster, not being able to bring up young players through the organization, whether that be high draft picks, low draft picks, anybody to come up and help your team. I hope that this is a plan. That this is, the Sabres are waiting out the season. They're going to get rid of all these contracts. They're waiting for that cap room to open up. Bogosian's cap off the books. Larson's cap off the books. Giergensen's, Sherry, Sabatka, you name it. There's a ton of players coming off their books next year. And that then, they will go for it. Then, they will sign a marquee free agent. They will make a big trade. They will, I don't know trade their first round pick something that will make them good right away because maybe for too long now the Sabres have been making moves that for the most part only have the long term in mind and ideally you want to make moves like that most of the time I think you want to make moves that keep you good for longer the long-term sustainability. I get that. But once in a while, once in a while, make some moves that make you that help you in the short term that maybe aren't the best idea for the long term. The Capitals are in a different spot. I get that. But they're the best team in hockey maybe right now. But two years ago, or one year ago, they gave TJ Oshie, who's in his 30s now and is not that great a skater, add those two things up. He's not going to last very well into his late 30s, into his mid-30s. They gave him an eight-year contract. Why? Was it the best move for them long-term? No, of course not. But they're trying to win right now. And I don't need the Sabres to make a lot of moves like that, but I want them to start to think about that at least a little bit and be open to it. Because it's the patience is out. I was going to say it's running thin. It's gone. The patience is gone. And I've talked about the goalie idea before. And you've probably heard me mention it if you listen to my show consistently. I do not think any smart GM would be chasing big money free agent goaltenders. That's the worst thing you can do to your cap is to pay a goalie a giant contract. But this is a special circumstance. It's a nine-year playoff drought. The fan base is restless. Your team has way too many holes to fill in one offseason. And what's the quick fix? What's the way to make the playoffs, to be competitive, to even be a, a playoff contender? On the short term, a quick turnaround. How do you do it? Goaltending. You get a career year from a from a goalie out of nowhere, or you bring in some star goalie. And I know Braden Holpe's out there this offseason. Does that become more appealing? Just because we're we're just we're fed up 
and hey, we'll we'll, we'll play him for two, three years, and then Ukapekalukanen takes over, and he can sit as a highly paid backup, and it'll suck then, but at least we'll, we'll have some seasons. At least we'll have some real seasons. Because if Braden Hopi were to show up next year, I'd be a lot more confident they could do something. Because even though he hasn't played well yet, this he hasn't played well this year at all. Guy's been a Vesna goalie in his career, and he's only thirty, which is not that old for a goalie. So there would be a scenario where he shows up and he's the goalie that he was for four or five years um, before this past year, and then if that happens, you're a good team if you get that. That's how much a goalie can do for you in the short term. I hate that. That's kind of where I'm at with this team like because I think it's such a stupid idea to pay goalies like that but that's kind of where I'm at with the Sabres just want to have a season it's like being 10 points out in January in the beginning of February not even being able to, not even being able to debate whether they should buy at the deadline like it's not even a conversation because they're just so far out of it every year at that point that's where we're at Sabres and Avalanche tomorrow night. Pat Malacaro filling in for Paul Hamilton while he's away for a couple of weeks. Um, this morning was on with Howard and Sal. Get a little update on uh, what's going on in the practice ice and uh, what happened over the weekend and looking ahead to uh, the next couple of Sabre games. They will be, like I said, hosting Colorado tomorrow night, hosting Detroit, the worst team in the league, on Thursday. Here is Pat with Howard and Sal. Who's joining us on the Western Hotline? Pat, it's Howard and Sal. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey guys, how's it going? Good, good. So what did you think of the game yesterday in general? We'll get to hockey, I mean the football game. Yeah, I mean, didn't you just get the sense that you were waiting for the Chiefs to make their one run, whether it was you know, a touch, 10 points, 21 points, whatever it was, they were going to have a run at some point, and would, would San Francisco be able to either counterpunch them or, or just shut it down? And, and I guess that's what I, was just, that's what I was waiting for in that fourth quarter. But it's funny, you know, I think – you know, you look at the comebacks, Pat. I, I didn't think they would be able to do what they did in the fourth quarter against that defense. Like, they did it against Houston. Of the three teams they played, Houston's defense was probably the weakest of the three. Then they played Tennessee, a little better defense than Houston, and they did it again. Then they played San Francisco, which to me was the best defense of all three opponents they faced. I didn't think they'd be able to get three touchdowns in the fourth quarter against them. Yeah, and, and I guess that just goes to show you how, how good Patrick Mahomes and that, that whole offense looks. I mean, even even some of the throws that Mahomes made in that fourth quarter, that the, the ball just didn't seem as you know as crisp or as as good as it's been for this uh, for his two years as the starter there. But they found a way to get it done. You know, Tyreek Hill gets downfield and makes a forty yard catch, and all of a sudden the Chiefs are are in scoring distance. And uh, I guess again, I guess it just shows you how how good of a uh, quarterback Mahomes is, and how just that offense just seems to. You know, click on all cylinders that, no matter what the situation. And I think it's good. You know, it's good for the – I didn't particularly have a rooting interest in the game yesterday, but I think it's good for the NFL to see a team – like the Chiefs are fun. They're fun to watch. They're typically an explosive offense limited by uh, San Francisco yesterday. Mahomes is a really exciting player. He's a good face of the league player to have. So, you know, for them to win and for him to succeed the way he has at such a young age, I do think that is – that's really good for the National Football League. And that was when I when I was watching the AFC Championship game. That's why you wanted Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I, mm-hmm. The reason I wanted them in there. You want to see the best. You want to see uh, Mahomes is on the cover of Madden. He's lighting up the scoreboard every week 
for two years in a row. It wasn't just a one-year thing. You know, you saw that out of Lamar Jackson in, in Baltimore. You want to see those players succeed. And, you know, last year's Super Bowl, that was the frustrating thing. It, there was almost no scoring, even though you had uh, the, the Rams as one of the best offenses in the league and even the Patriots. You know, the, the, neither offense got going. At least last night, we finally saw offense, and, and uh, it really uh, it was a fun game to watch, I thought. So speaking of guys that are fun to watch, Jack Eichel was Jack Eichel in overtime on Saturday afternoon, right? I mean, it's just, it's so cool to watch that whole play develop. I went back and I kept rewinding and going back to watch it again and again and again. He's, he's got, he is a nightmare in three-on-three with all that open space on the ice because you know what? Like, if you go up and challenge him, he'll blow by you. But if you sit back, he'll do what he did the other day against Columbus and he'll beat you. Yeah, and he has held the puck near the whole uh, what thirty six seconds of overtime? I mean, he just he he was going to get a shot on goal, and he was going to score that score that goal there. And we've seen that before. I think back to uh, Calgary. I think it was last year where um, it was a, a long overtime, but Jack stayed on the ice for almost the whole thing and and found a way to to get a goal. Maybe it was two years ago, whatever it was. But he he's done that in the past, and he continues to do that. And it was a game where the Sabers didn't play their best but a Columbus team coming off their bye, and the Sabres were able to kind of take advantage of it and find a way to get to overtime. And then, once again, the captain is, is the one who, who comes through, and, and you're sitting with two points against a Columbus team that had uh, won six straight and, and was sitting in a wild-card spot. Yeah, truth be told, it was a boring hockey game. And I yeah. think you know the Sabres catch a break because Columbus is coming off their bye, and they didn't really seem to get their game going much. I know the Sabres talked about, I guess that was the game they wanted to play, grind it out, slow it down. But, man, it was a real – it's not exactly fun to watch that game. No, you're sitting through 20 minutes, and the Sabres only had five shots on goal. It's ten combined shots to the first. You're thinking, did the Sabres waste their chance because they came out so strong against Montreal two days before, and you were looking for maybe that same start because Columbus was going to need to find their legs – and you're right, they took advantage of the fact that I don't know if Columbus found their legs for the entire 60 minutes. We saw spurts of it. We saw a little couple pockets of the Blue Jackets getting up the ice. But uh, defensively, they were probably as strong as, as the team they are you know, for the last 40 minutes. And that's why uh, Buffalo didn't get another goal in regulation. But uh, definitely uh, the offense was not something that Columbus uh, uh, had going for them. But you, know, you look at the Sabres, you take yesterday off, get back to the practice ice today and, and see if you can continue to build some of maybe that chemistry that you know we talked on Friday, a guy like Jeff Skinner and Froelich had, and if they can get those guys um, going behind the Eichel line, um, that they're going to need that tomorrow against Colorado. More with Pat Malacaro after this, the nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Last call after the break on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Last call on the Nightcap here on WGR. Let's keep going with Pat Malacaro. Some more Sabre stuff with uh, Howard and Sal earlier today right here on the station. Carter Hutton didn't have to do a lot. I mean, he didn't really have to like make stand-on-his-head saves because they played well in front of him. Um, but he, I'm sure he, he was very happy to finally get the win. I, it seemed like the guys were happy for him. I'm going to guess Carter Hutton had a big smile on his face after the game as well. It's a big monkey that he got off the back. Yeah, it's been months since he picked up a win. And, uh, you know, when he, even when he was playing well as, a, as the backup behind Linus Allmark, there always seemed to be a fluky goal, a fluky bounce, you know, taken out of position by his own player or something, and boom, pucks in the net and the Sabres lose the game. So mm-hmm. for Hutton to get that win, 
and for something to build off of. We look at the schedule this week. Hutton's probably going to have to play uh, three games again this week. So to get that win yesterday uh, and or Saturday, and then now you get a tough Colorado team. You look at Detroit coming up, the Rangers. So there's a couple of games where maybe we'll see uh, Jonas Johansson at some point in here yeah. uh, with the back-to-backs. But uh, you know Hutton's going to have to be the guy. I would think with back, either the back-to-back or then they play Sunday afternoon two, three games in four days, you'd think Johansson's going to get one of those games, right? Yeah, I, you look at the schedule. To me, I would probably go Detroit on Thursday and then come back with Hutton on Friday against the Rangers. That way uh, he gets a couple of days off after Tuesday, and then he could probably still go back to Hutton again on Sunday if he wanted. So that to me, that makes the most sense. But um, that, that, again, could all be predicated, though, on, on how things go tomorrow and, and uh, just what Ralph Kruger wants to do. Pat, injury updates. What's going on? Uh, the word on Oposo and Montour didn't play the other day. So what about him, too? Yeah, Montour had a, had a maintenance day on Friday, I believe, and uh, tried to go on Saturday and just during warm-ups, um, his lower body injury just he didn't didn't feel up to it, so Lawrence Pilot took his spot uh, last minute. And then it's going to be weeks for Kyle Oposo. Uh, Ralph Crew was hoping it would be uh, just a couple of games, a game or two, but uh, after being evaluated, uh, it's going to be weeks. So, again, it was uh, the, it's not a concussion, but it's an upper body injury somewhere. So uh, a pulse will miss weeks. What did you think? Uh, you know, I was I was trying to watch Pilot as much as I could because Pat, I you know we're at the point of the season where probably not going to make playoffs, probably not getting back in the race. So this is where I just go watch specific players just to see how they look. And I thought Pilot played a pretty solid game, was good in his own zone. You know, I, I liked a lot of, of what I saw from him uh, because he had been a scratch. What did you think of Pilot's game overall the other day? And, and you know, are we at the point, why aren't we at the point where they just say, you know, we're just going to play the kid every game and see how he does the rest of the season? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he didn't. he never got himself in trouble. And I think that's just, in a game like Saturday, that's all you're asking for out of somebody to step in the lineup at the last minute. And we've seen Pilot perform well in the past and not put himself in a spot or his team to, to be in a, in a bad spot in his own end. So, yeah, I thought he was, he was steady. He never didn't make any big mistakes. And I think that's the biggest credit you can give him. And uh, I think we will see that coming up now with, with uh, so many games in, in a short period of time. And uh, that was the thing I thought with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, if you wanted to use someone like Pilot, give other guys rest and, and let him work his way in and, and some of these younger players. So I hope that's something we see. And, you know, with the trading deadline now this month, um, who knows, it, it could be in a situation where uh, with the so many defensemen the Sabres have, have had all year, maybe they uh, are able to make a move for, uh, and move one or two of them out. And uh, Pilot is in the lineup uh, regularly and, and just because that's, that's where we're at. Trade deadline is three weeks away, three weeks from today, February 24th. Pat, thanks for coming on with us this morning. Appreciate your time on the show. Thanks, guys. All right, there he is, Pat Malacaro with uh, Howard and Sal. It's going to do it for us here on the Nightcap tonight. One other thing uh, on this Greg Olson thing, though, before I get out of here. So if you missed it, Adam Schefter reported a little bit ago that Greg Olson, former tight end of the Panthers, now a free agent, will visit with the Bills and Washington this week. And one thing I didn't pick up on, other than, of course, Matt Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, whatever relationship with uh, Greg Olson because of their days in Carolina, apparently the Bills' tight ends coach was the tight ends coach in Chicago when Olson was there. And apparently Olson has a relationship with Ken Dorsey, the Bills' quarterback coach. Ken Dorsey was the quarterback at Miami. Like the U, not the Dolphins. 
and uh, just missed Greg Olson by a couple years. Greg Olson played there from 2004-2005. Ken Dorsey left there in 2002. So apparently they know each other um, for both being Miami Hurricanes. So maybe the Bills have a little bit of help here to get Greg Olson on the team for next year. But again, you can read more about that sales piece at WGR550.com. I'll be back with you Wednesday because the Sabres, of course, at home to play the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 